Hello and welcome to the Autism in Real Life podcast. In each episode, you'll get practical strategies by taking a journey into the joys and challenges of life with autism. I'm your host, Ilya Walsh, and I'm an educator and a parent of two young adults, one of which is diagnosed on the autism spectrum. Join me as I share my experience and the experiences of others so that we may see the unique gifts and talents of individuals on the autism spectrum fully recognized. Hello, I wanted to take a, a step back today and give a high-level overview of what special education is. Uh, I know I've been talking about special education and discussed the different acronyms, uh, and uh, I realized that, you know, while all those acronyms might be used in the world of special education, if you're someone that's not actually immersed in it quite yet, um, you might not totally understand all of them and, you know, how they fit into the context of special education. So, um, you know, I also think that many people have a concept of what special education is based on their history um, and based on their own schooling, you know, a while back. Um, and it's most likely very different from what um, special education looks like today. So, um, you know, I want to give an overview of that for you today. Uh, special education is designed to meet the unique and individual needs of students with disabilities. So now, with that said, this can be done in a variety of different ways, and it's sort of a tiered approach. So first, what we would look at is trying to meet all of those needs in the general ed classroom. And I know that sounds um, pretty straightforward, uh, and we have a lot of great teachers who are doing just that. So we would say that maybe this is just really good teaching strategies and noticing that a student is having some difficulty and modifying or changing something that you're doing or using a tool or strategy that helps and the student continues to make progress, and that's great. However, if, you know, progress is not being made, and a student is still struggling or additional things start to surface that we didn't notice before, then parents uh, and or teachers can make a referral for a student to be evaluated. And uh, that evaluation is done through the school, and uh, it's to determine if there is a learning disability. And this is sort of what we would call the eligibility piece of the evaluation. So a team is assembled, and Generally, you would say it's an IEP team, but some schools have different names for this group. So it would usually consist of school psychologist, possibly a school social worker, maybe an occupational therapist, um, maybe a speech therapist. So all of those people and the, the teachers, the students' teachers, and all of these people would be assembled and there would be an evaluation performed. And, and honestly, it would be several evaluations, and it takes a bit of time to do that. Now, I should make a special note here that this, um, this process can be also simultaneous with parents and families 
seeking and evaluation outside of the school. Now, the school, if if this um, if this referral is made, the school is required to uh, do a, a learning evaluation in the school. But parents can sometimes also do a parallel evaluation outside of the school. So they might enlist uh, other specialists outside to evaluate their child so that um, they get additional information. However, the school is required to do an evaluation as well. Uh, an additional note is that this can be done at any time during a student's uh, schooling, right? So it happens any time from the age three and up can these evaluations take place. Uh, now, before the age of three, we have uh, an early intervention process, which I'll do a separate, uh, a separate piece on that. But um, know that starting from the age of three, so preschool uh, and up, this process can happen at any time. Uh, and then once those evaluations are complete, all of that information is then looked at and gathered, and we decide, um, okay, what is the learning disability and what are the best ways to meet this student's needs? How do we implement a plan? And so this is where the IEP is created, and that is the Individualized Education Plan. And while I know I've said that I think all students need to have individualized education, this is a particularly important document. It is a legal document that lists out what a student's educational needs are, a student with a disability, uh, what their special needs are, and how they will be met. So there will be goals on here. There will be steps on how to meet those goals. Um, the results of all of the evaluations will be on there. So it's a pretty comprehensive document. And what could be included in this IEP are modifications. So are we going to change the curriculum to meet the student's needs? There could be accommodations. So maybe we don't have to change the curriculum, uh, but maybe the student needs more time to be able to complete assignments or take tests. So that would be an example of an accommodation. We might implement specific teaching strategies, and there's just so many of those. And many teachers are actually implementing strategies that might not be captured on an IEP, which is why this is really important to capture what strategies teachers are using. Uh, I have worked with many schools that, you know, teachers will say, but I'm doing, I'm also doing this, and I'm also doing that to make sure that the student can learn but it's not written in the IEP. So we want to make sure that strategies are captured on an IEP. And so that's why I consider an IEP a living document. So it can be modified, it can be changed. Um, and so we want to make sure we're capturing those specific teaching strategies. And um, first we might start with a set of them and then they might get modified and changed. Uh, but we will be using them as a measure to see how they are working. Other things that might be on the IEP is the environmental need for a student. What kind of environment do they need to learn? Uh, this might be where some sensory uh, challenges might be taken into account. And then the last piece could be any assistive technology that a student might need. So this is where iPads might come in, maybe a timer maybe uh, a watch that vibrates for um, 
reminders. Um, it could also be a, a, you know, a, a particular piece of paper that a student needs. Maybe it's a checklist. So it doesn't have to be technology the way we think about it now with a, a phone or a computer or a tablet. It can also be other tools. Um, if we use a grippy on a pencil, that is considered assistive technology. So, you know, it can vary definitely. And then during an IEP, um, you know, these, these plans are evaluated every year and there is an annual IEP meeting. Now, with that said, a family or a teacher can call an IEP meeting whenever they want when we want to make revisions to that. Uh, document so that we can capture. Because if we're meeting only once a year, right, we have a whole bunch of time that we might be losing that we could um, be implementing something or maybe we need to do an extra evaluation or something that we're seeing. And if we wait a year, we could be losing some valuable time there. So keep in mind that a meeting can be called um, really at any time. Now, all of those different pieces of the IEP should take place in what's called the least restrictive environment. And so, again, another acronym you may have heard uh, is LRE. So that is least restrictive environment for a student. So the idea is to implement these strategies and these techniques in the general education classroom so that a student can be with their peers and, um, you know, make sure that they have access. So this is where you will see uh, maybe a special education teacher come into the classroom, the general ed classroom. Maybe this is where you'll see a teaching assistant in the classroom, uh, or maybe a speech therapist comes into the classroom. So that would be one strategy. The other strategy could be that maybe the student can't be in the classroom all the time in the general education classroom. So maybe there's a hybrid situation. So they're in the general ed classroom for some time, and maybe they are in the special ed classroom for part of the time. And that could be a pullout situation where a student goes to the special education teacher for math or for uh, reading, perhaps. Um, and then they're in the general ed classroom for other, you know, for everything else. Um, or maybe it's more, right? Like maybe it's a 50-50 type of uh, instruction. And this is if we see that a student really needs more support outside of their general education classroom. And then if still the needs are not being met, you may see a situation where a student is placed in a full-time special education classroom and they only work with a special education teacher and the other students that are in that uh, special education classroom. And then if that still isn't something that is meeting a student's needs, and again, this is all done within a student's home school, uh, home district, meaning they will then possibly need to think about using um, an outside placement. And so a student may need to go to a school that is specifically for students with disabilities. And oftentimes it's the specific disability that a student has. And so that school will specialize in working with students with that disability. And all of these decisions are not made lightly. There's a lot of work and time that it takes to go through all of these different processes. And, and honestly, you know, I, all of them can be talked about very specifically. And all of, have, all of these steps have their own processes within them. 
Um, but I think the big key here is these decisions and these processes have to be done with the family uh, fully included in this process. Um, you know, it's a, it's a team of not just the educators within the school, but also with the family. And the family relationship is really uh, uh, the most important part of this process because a family is entitled to know what is happening with their child uh, and with the student. And they need to understand the entire process that's happening. So I've heard of stories where forms just got mailed home or sent home even with the student in the backpack and the family is like, what is this? Um, and where is this coming from? And so really there should have been conversations with the family happening, um, you know, before even we get to that referral process, uh, you know, really progress um, and having open dialogue. And so building rapport between the family and the school is uh, really important. And then all of this information conveyed to the family also needs to be done in a format and in the language that the family prefers. Uh, so if the family is uh, dominant or prefers a different language other than English, then maybe a translator might need to take uh, part of this process or be part of the team. Uh, documents would need to be translated in the language that the family is most comfortable with. And so that way they can understand all the steps of the process. They might also need some help understanding the types of evaluations that are being conducted and why they're being conducted, and then understanding the results of those evaluations. Um, and again, that's, that can be really difficult types of conversations, uh, but they are really important so that a family can help uh, be part of the process and also make the decisions that make sense for their child and for the family. And uh, as I said before, you know, again, a family can call a meeting at any time so that they can understand their child's progress. However, I think if ongoing dialogue is happening between the family and the teachers and the team um, and the special ed team, uh, you know, a lot of times these meetings don't need to happen. The, you know, these in-between meetings, the annual always has to happen, but the annual meeting shouldn't be a surprise. It should be uh, a place where it's already been discussed. We kind of know what's going to get put into place and we review and we understand the document and then we can, you know, implement it for the following year. So up until then, everything should be known. Uh, and then that document, as I said, should not be a surprise. Uh, so um, again, I know this is a lot of information. And as I mentioned, each one of these pieces that we've talked about can have their own process. Um, and I'll be focusing on them in the future. Um, and in the meantime, if you have any questions, feel free to message me or email me, and I'll be happy to answer them. And if there's a topic you'd specifically like me to focus on, please also let me know so that I can do that. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Autism in Real Life. This is Elia Walsh, and if you like the show, please hit subscribe so you can get notified each time a new episode is released. Also, if you join our email list at thespectrumstrategy.com, you can get a code to attend one of my online courses for free. See you next time.